and welcome to our definitely not new now, but I'm still going to call it newish podcast, DM Hype Squad. Uh, my name is Han. I am forced to do these intros still every episode, even though I ask if anybody else would like to do them before <laughs> we start recording each one, um, because this is my idea. We are uh, three friends who all play D&D together and we all DM games that each other is a player character in. Um, and as always, I am joined by Lynn. Hello. And Roz. I never left. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this week we are going to talk about, um, and well, I guess I was about to say in kind of classic DM style, we are going to talk about player characters, but we are all very lucky in, as DMs in that we are not the forever DM and we all do get to play as well. So um, we maybe won't talk quite as much as DMs who maybe never get the chance to be player characters, or maybe we will and we'll have a lot to say. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I suspect we will have a lot to say. But yeah, I guess just jumping straight into it. Um, how do you come up with the idea for characters we've all i mean we've all played in like a handful of different campaigns mm -hmm. games one shots and things by now and i know that all three of us um have a problem with creating too many characters i think <laughs> on our D, D beyond accounts mm -hmm. but um but yeah what i mean what does a character start with for you is it is it class is it race is it personality is it you just want to i don't know build some like cool combo of any of those things um Roz, going to start with you. Right. Um, I feel I'm getting some weird deja vu and feel like I've said something similar to this before on the pod. But um, I think for me, I just need like some kind of hook. Um, like, I'm trying to think of an example. So, like, just like we're looking at the Warlock subclasses, and, and if something sparks my interest, I'm like, wow, why would somebody decide that they want to align with some, you know, in, incredibly intelligent and double crossing archfey and just almost work backwards from that or mm -hmm. you know if there's a particular feature or or I, th I think i start usually at at the other end i think i start at a thing that a character has and i build my backstory based on with newer characters anyway like i build my backstory and how they got there um, and and as i get into it i think i probably get more more and more creative um but i think i start with some kind of here and now present hook whether it's a class mm -hmm. or a race or a feature or a, you know, a, an occupation or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think I start here and I work back. What about you two? What about you, Lynn? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm loving that we're calling it the pod now, by the way, Ros. Like <laughs> It just happened organically. <laughs> yeah, this is the pod. <laughs> the squad pod. <laughs> Um, I think I tend to start with like, like personality actually, mm -hmm. um, for me. So, and like, if I've given advice to other people as well, so like when I give advice to decks or whatever, I'm always like, like, don't focus too much on like the class and making like so like with his paladins or whatever you know like don't focus too much on me like oh i'm this good true paladin because i've taken the paladin class like i try not to focus too much on that i play the the personality rather than the class if that makes sense i don't know if that mm -hmm. even makes sense um so like i just kind of take whatever class i think fits that personality best rather than doing it the other way around um so like with like Tyne is a good example. It just made sense that Tyne was a bard. Like mm -hmm. very charismatic, very like lovable. It would not have made sense for him to be like a barbarian or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that would have been utterly bizarre. Um so I think I do it that way around, generally. Unless like On occasion, I have been known just to roll random dice and make a character that way. <laughs> like, literally, completely random for everything. So, like, a lot of the faceless lot, although they are NPCs, they are fully built characters that I've done. Mm -hmm. um, all of those are just random dice rolls <laughs> to decide on class, race, everything. Which can sometimes be really interesting, I think. 
But yeah. I love that starting with the personality and then picking a class that fits. That is so the opposite way around to how I always do it. And I'm just like, it's blowing my mind, honestly. Because it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense, yeah. like how you just described it. But I just would not. I always start with the class because, like, generally speaking, I want to. I always think, oh, what what class would be fun to play for a while is generally where I start. And then once I've kind of, I, it's not always like one straight away. It might be like two or three. Then I'll generally kind of look through the like subclasses or like the flavor of the class and kind of try and get a sense of it and then think of like what, who a character would be if they were one of those things and then kind of do it that way. But I, I can totally see how you would do it the other way around. Like that does make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think I think I do like I don't know, I come at it from a slightly different angle, I think. I like because I see so many people like play not in our games, but like play stereotypical, you know, like they play a ro- like they pick a rogue mm. and they play the stereotypical rogue like and I'm always like, well, your rogue doesn't have to be yeah. stealing everything that they come across like it's just that you've chosen that class because it fits that maybe they're very mm. sneaky or like they're light on their feet or whatever but that doesn't mean that they have to be well not evil but you know what i mean like they don't mm. have to be like unlawful just because they've picked a rogue class so mm. i don't know i yeah i think i always tend to go like what type of personality do i want to play this time do i just want to smash it up because if in that case then you know i'm probably gonna pick a barbarian <laughs> but like yeah i think i always go with personality first i don't like like limiting myself because of the class that i've picked if that makes sense mm. Mm. yeah it does make sense and i totally like i totally agree with you um like i think i think some sometimes it can be fun to lean into stereotypes or yeah like do that but also i think there's it to me personally i think there's a lot of fun with like playing against type or like picking things that are kind of very much at odds with what you you know what you might stereotypically think of that kind of character is going to be like or whatever so yeah if i did like a you know being a rogue but being like robin hood or something you know like yeah like like that kind of like you don't have to like I think I view it as like the class is like the mechanics of it. So how can I make that fit my personality rather than the mm-hmm. other way around? Like using the class and going, oh, well, I'm going to be a barbarian. I'm going to be this dumb thing that hits a lot of stuff. You know, like mm. I tend to do it the other way around. But like you say, sometimes like Rove started as an absolutely stereotypical like barbarian that bashes shit. Like that, is, <laughs> that was her entire character. Um, and that was amazing to play and she's turned out amazing. So she is the only one that I think I've built the other way. So I built, I chose a barbarian class because I was like, that looks easy and I'm new. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. I think that you've just, you've just described exactly how I create, I don't like accidentally, you've just described exactly how I create characters. Um, like I've just written down, I'm a kind of socialist rogue and I already know this character. Like I know who they are. They are Robin Hood. <laughs> like that is the hook, and it's beautiful. And I think that's that's the thing that gets me excited. That's the way that I work almost backwards, if that makes sense. Which I guess yeah. is kind of similar to how how you do it in, in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of like you say, having that hook or that personality or like something that's that that makes that character different to every other rogue yeah. that's out mm. there. You know, like why are they different? Um, and I tend to focus more on that and then see which class and even which race really um, fits how I have that character in my mm-hmm. head, if that makes sense. I always pick race last, always. I don't know why, and I don't know where I'm going with that, but I do. I, I, race is <laughs> the last thing I look at like after everything else. I always pick... I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty basic bitch, to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I think all my... The only like vaguely uh, non-player handbook race that I've played is a fairy in your game, Roz. Yeah. Um, but I just I can't. I I always pick. I tend to. I think I tend to pick race based on like mechanics more than mm. unless there's something that's really like flavorful about a combination or a character or something that I've come up with. 
I would tend to maybe look for like mechanics of stuff but i also just really like very human for the feet because i think you can play around and do like interesting mm. stuff so um so yeah i'm i feel like i feel like i'm i'm painting a picture of myself as somebody who is uh creates characters quite mechanically but that's it's not entirely true i don't think <laughs> <laughs> But even if you did, that's fine. Yeah. Everybody yeah. builds characters differently, right? So, like, for some people, that is important. Like, mecha- like how mechanically that character works, like, is important to them and their enjoyment of that mm. character. Mm. Whereas mine, if it's a hot mess, that's fine. Like, that's <laughs> that's okay. I mean, look at Tyne and Arya. They were, like, confusing as hell to play, but I was loving it. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean that would that's a good example of a really cool character concept. Um and like fun to play around with. And fun to be in the campaign with. Like I enjoyed them very much. So once you've kind of got your your basics of your character, how much backstory do you typically write? Does it vary? Does it depend on kind of like I guess you might not put as much effort into a character that you were just you knew was just going to be played in a one shot, maybe versus mm. a character that was going to go into like a long term campaign. But um, how much how much backstory do you write? <laughs> I don't I, I, I don't like this question. And I won't respond to it. <laughs> <laughs> just ballpark figure out. Well, I mean, it really depends. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for the benefit of people listening. Um, Lynn is winding me up because we recently played Alice is Missing, which is a really great game, and I would recommend if nobody has played it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and as as part of that, you um, you take on a character, but then you're free to kind of like create that character's personality and like things about them. And we were supposed to do that in was it like ten minutes? We were yeah. supposed to do that, and I think I I wrote like three pages in my notebook <laughs> or something, while everybody Incredible. else had got like four or five sentences. <laughs> Yeah, other people were like, oh, you know, I'm a brother, I'm like, whatever, I like sports. <laughs> like, I was like, right, everybody sit down and listen. <laughs> like, this is the history of my character, starting with when they were five years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that I mean, that just happened. <laughs> I'm not, it, it really varies, actually, with, um, so I was just thinking about, um, so like, Clack in Strahd, I'd got quite a, clear idea of like who she was and where she'd come from and how she had come into her cleric powers and stuff so i did write probably more backstory for clack um than i have for my other characters with gideon and nameless i'd kind of written one like key defining thing in her life Mm. because it's always it's always interesting something i always like doing in, in the backstory of a character is thinking about how they came into their abilities, whatever those abilities are. So um, I like Gideon as a sorcerer, but, um, and like, you know, sorcerers are like, have innate magic and like, how did that happen? And so what did her family look like? Did she get it from a family and that kind of thing? Um, and Clack as a cleric was like, well, you know, they get blessed by the gods or whatever. So is there, what happened there? What's the story there? Um but I think we've talked about on the podcast before with Gideon, I kind of created that backstory and then came into the game and I was like, oh, this is not a campaign for that backstory. Um, and like, it doesn't really get talked about that much, I guess. Um, and she became a slightly different character once we started playing. Um, with Isadora in your game, Roz, who is a fairy bard, I didn't write that much. Again, it was just like she needed to have a reason to not be in the Feywild anymore. So, um, it was just a bit of that. I have written, I, I have spent quite a lot of time creating my character for Netherdeep Lynn. So there's mm-hmm. a, a bit of, it's quite a lot of backstory there. I like that it was a bit and then became quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, here is the history of this character's life starting with when they were born. No, um, <laughs> no, it's not, I mean, it's not. It's not a huge amount of detail, actually. It's just that I've got quite a clear idea of what they've been doing with most of their life. So, um, 
but but yeah, so it varies. The point I'm trying to make is that it varies depending <laughs> on the character and depending what sort of game they're going into. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with every character, like I was I was trying to think about some of my characters just then. I think with every character I've built, I've had more and more and more backstory. Like when I think about like my first couple of characters, I had like very very little like bones of of, mm. of a backstory really. Whereas whereas my newer characters, like thinking Pebble in particular, who's my I think my newest character, like I feel like I have a really solid handle on where they were before they entered games. Whereas with like Tide, who I think was you know Yog and Tide, my first first characters in your games, Lynn. Yeah, but like, I don't really feel like I have a good concept still of what Tide's backstory is, really, and that matters less now because we've been playing so long, and I feel like I've got a good grip on their personality. But yeah, I feel like I don't have much from them, whereas I have a lot more with many other characters. So I think I feel like it might be an experience thing as well, but it was for mm. me. I think I again, it it does vary on what what type of game you're taking them into as well. Um, and I kind of, with a lot of my characters, I come up with like a basic idea of who they are and why they are that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I kind of just like create more backstory as I'm playing. Like, you know, like, yeah. so I'll yeah, just yeah. like throw in a line or two and be like, oh, yeah, when I saw my sister and she was doing whatever. And it's like, okay, they didn't have a sister before, they do now. It's like, <laughs> Like, I'm kind of a big fan of that. And I think Ro is a really good example of that as well. Like, she came from having pretty much no backstory, just angry half-orc. So now she's got this entire, like, family unit going on and a whole, like, whole world going on over there that when I take her into a new character now, I'd have to be like, right, here's my 10 pages of backstory. (laughs) Enjoy. Um, But also, I think it depends how, like, invested i am in the like because sometimes i struggle to get invested in character until i've played it for a little while mm. um so like sometimes it will just be like a couple of like rain is a really good example like she is her backstory is a couple of lines literally um but now that i'm playing her more and more like i'm more invested into going right okay exactly what happened like you know like why is she this way yeah like, mm. so it makes me want to kind of like look at that more and i'm always a fan of like editing it like like my backstory is never set in stone if that makes sense like i'm always happy to go back Mm. in and add more or tweak it a little bit as long as it isn't something that's been like vital to the campaign or something like that yeah oh actually now she doesn't have a brother (laughs) um (laughs) i wouldn't ever do that but like adding extra information i think is is how i work yeah i think something i learned from Something I learned from Gideon as well, actually, is that sometimes, like allowing, allowing yourself room to create like stuff as you go through a story and the story develops, like you just said, Lynn, like you can add stuff into your backstory at any time. Like that can be that can be really helpful actually, because like with with Gideon, I thought I knew who she was when, like when I was kind of off creating her and then brought her into Nameless, and I was like, yeah, the kind of tone of who this character i thought this character was and the kind of backstory is not really the tone of this campaign so um so it's not that i've kind of it's not that i massively then changed her backstory it just became less i just think differently about how it affected her i guess in terms Mm -hmm. of who she like what her personality is now so like when um you started running your game, Ros, with Isadora. I was like, well, she needs to have a reason of why she's kind of left the Feywild. She is like a punk rock fairy bard. So um, clearly she's been chucked out of the Feywild. That will be her backstory for whatever reason. But then beyond that, I didn't want to come up with too much because I just thought I'd see, like, see where it went as the story developed, um, which actually kind of ended up working quite nicely because Scott's character is also a character from the Feywild and then they've kind of um like well you've got a fangirl hand haven't you yeah 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 it's a little bit in love with me so um but it it just means that because my backstory is not like super super tied down if Scott is kind of 
like if we're RPing and Scott said something, like he's got room to create stuff as well that like might be part of my, you know, oh, remember when we were in the Feywilds and this happened or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. yeah, like you can do that with other car- other players as well, which I think is quite nice. It depends. I mean, it doesn't always work out if you've got a very set idea in your mind of what a character's backstory is, but if you've got links to other characters in the game, then it can be quite fun to play with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it can be a little bit restricting as well if you um like certain backstories. I'm thinking of like um specifically in like Strad with like Eric. I know that like Dex really struggled because he'd written this very firm backstory of how mm. this character was and then when he found himself in this situation, kind of similar to Gideon, I guess, where the it just wasn't gelling, like and mm. he didn't yeah. have any wriggle room to be able to go, Oh, well actually I'll just like adapt it so that it's like this now because he had a very set idea um which i think can be sometimes a little bit dangerous because you you end up then it not working out because D is unpredictable right like something can happen yeah. to your character or you can be put in a situation where um it doesn't quite fit and if you're very firm and rigid on like this is how my character is then it can be a bit upsetting i think sometimes mm-hmm. and like i know like dex really really struggled um with that so yeah i think it's something to bear in mind just have that wiggle room yeah and characters are unpredictable like like pebble wasn't arrogant and aloof when i made him he was confident (laughs) and lovable and then something just (laughs) happened very quickly where i was like no he doesn't he doesn't understand that this is (laughs) socially inappropriate and a bit of a dick move like he just doesn't Um, still lovable he is definitely Definitely lovable. Yeah, only when he's not trying to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's always wiggle room and things never... You can have a great idea in your mind and when you get around a room with a bunch of other people, something just happens, doesn't it? Magic. Magic, Magic. is what happens. <laughs> Are you both happy for, if you've written something in your backstory, for the DM to kind of like take that and, and run with it? Um like as a DM, would you do that for players if they got things in your like so in the Strahd game, like some of the stuff in our backstories became like relevant and you like use that Lynn, for example. Um much to your trauma. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good though. It was really good because it it really like it it just really I don't know how to say it, but it, it like drew me into the game even more somehow because it felt like I'd got an extra stake in what was happening because there was that like personal, like Clack had got that personal connection to mm-hmm. um, some of the stuff. So it was really, it was really, really good. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, how do you both feel about that? If you'd like, am I allowed to go shuffling around in your backstories on your character sheet in Lost Minds and, and do things with that or not? I would ask first, I should just say. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think it it wouldn't like. Yeah, I'd be comfortable with that. I don't think it would bother me. I mean, like, I suppose look, my initial panic there was don't kill time. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my like because I was like, what do you mean backstories in Lost Minds? That's what. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think anything that a DM can do that kind of like you say, draws you more into that world and invests you more in that story is beneficial. So if you can take stuff from backstory, then that's even better, right? Like, I'm happy for that to happen. Like, I've, I did that in Strad. Like, that was um, quite a regular thing in Strad, especially mm. for poor Han. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, so good, though. It's so good. Yeah, and I think that the reason possibly why it kind of impacted the character of Clack more is because I did have more backstory with <laughs> with Clack to work with, um, whereas like a couple of the other characters didn't really have much backstory or um, mm. they hadn't filled in any backstory at all. It was just the flaws, bonds, ideals that they'd done. Mm-hmm. So I was having to try and pull from that to then make it kind of with the nightmares and all that kind of thing. So it was more difficult with other players, but with Clack it was just so easy. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> um, it always makes me smile when people, like, I 
and dread it slightly when people give you like loads of backstory because mm. you're like oh i've got to read all that now um but like in faceless hugh's given me like so much information on his character and his brothers and his dad incredible amazing <laughs> so i'm like okay now i've got now i've got to work that into the story right because otherwise it would be just a complete injustice to all the work that he's put into it um yeah hugh gave me some good stuff for lost minds so you know a couple of sessions ago at the end where i we were in a the separate secret uh, yeah mm-hmm, yeah that, that was to do with this backstory um but yeah that's mm. been fun yeah i think it i think it, anything that adds to the story like it, especially if you're running like a pre-written mm. like module like strad or, or lost minds or something like that then anything that you can put in that is specific for those characters like is going to draw them in and make the story even more like impactful i guess yeah yeah i agree because like a lot of them like um like especially a lot of the starter adventures like they have characters that are pre-built right with the idea that mm. there is stuff that immerses that character in particular into the world that kind of just exists within the module so if you know if they've recommended like a fighter and a cleric and a wizard or whatever they'll all have mm. their own like little subquests and little bits where their stuff comes up Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's the same for stuff that characters create it just makes it feel more immersive i think um yeah it brings you in a bit more yeah definitely i should i feel like i should warn you well i think i already have lynn that my character in Neverdeep's probably got <laughs> quite a yeah. bit of that's fine that's fine <laughs> well my something i would so I'm just fully, fully accountably on the podcast now, giving you permission to do what you want with this. But um, so my character is going to be a warlock in Netherdeep and she does not know who her warlock patron is. I do, but she oh. doesn't. Oh. And you can do what you want with that, Lynn, um, oh. in the game. So, Amazing. Um, yeah. I just thought that would be fun. <laughs> I like it. I've just got to, you know, start another date now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep like every episode. I'm going to be just like, another date, another date, yeah, another date, another date, another date, until we start. No, it's no pressure. We can start whenever. It's it's on the horizon. It's in my it's in my view. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> so I I think you've just mentioned like flaws, bonds, and ideals and stuff, Lynn. But um, how like how much thought do you give to those sorts of things when you're um, creating a character and because I feel like it is the part of the character sheet that I always forget to look at and forget what I've written there when I create the characters because I'm more I think more about their like personality generally and like you know sort of one or two major things that have happened to them probably um, and often just forget like I fully looked at Gideon's character sheet the other day and was like I genuinely cannot remember writing this against mm. one of them <laughs> Um but yeah, what about what about? Because I know some people are like they might pick something that is like a real quirk of that character that comes up all the time or, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, how I mean, how important are those sorts of things to you both when you're creating characters? Yeah, Roz, how important are they? Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm just looking at. I'm looking. I'm on the beyond on the other half of my screen. So am I. Oh my god, what has happened? <laughs> um, I think I I update um, not not. All the time, not often, but sometimes I just have a thought I'm like, "Oh, I need to put that on my couch sheet to remember mm. it." Um, so, like, I've, I've added to Pebbles over the last few weeks. Like, doesn't understand how to barter or the value of money, um, <laughs> which wasn't a flaw when he started, but is definitely a flaw now. Um, and I think, I think it feels a bit like backstory in that I think there needs to be room to edit stuff, and it's all right to edit stuff, both because what you've written maybe doesn't quite fit with how you're playing them, or just because characters will develop and change over a game as stuff happens in the world. Mm. Um, so I think it's, I think I quite like it. I think um, I'm making a mental note to go and update all of my PCs with what I think their current traits, ideals, bonds and flaws are. But um, yeah, I think, I think it can be really useful and I think helpful and great. Like we were talking about session prep um, last episode and if it's been like a while, between games and you just need to get yourself back in that headspace if you've kept this stuff like up and recent and you've you've edited it i feel like that would probably get you back into your character's headspace quite quickly yeah i did um update gideon's fairly 
not super recently, but I did tweak them a little bit based on who she's ended up being rather than who I thought she was when I created her. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't, because I know some people are like, know what you write there. They are like the traits that are set in stone for your character. But I, I, I think you can update them. I think it's good to update them as a character develops. Mm. Um, but sorry, Lynn, I think you were going to answer. Yeah, I, I rudely interrupted. Say, uh, you did not rudely interrupt. It's fine. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I'm pretty much like you, Hannah. I tend to forget about it, <laughs> um, if I'm honest. I was just like, I'll just have a look at Reigns. And most of them are not actually how I ended up playing her. I think the only thing really is her personality trait. It was about like not understanding like personal space and like <laughs> like and I think that is that is firmly like her um like not understanding social etiquette or anything like that. Um or she's just realizing that she doesn't understand it. She thought she understood it, but she doesn't. Um but yeah, I do tend to forget about it, but I think you're absolutely right, Roz. I think it would be I probably should go through and update them because it would, if you've not played for a little while, I think it is a good memory jogger, like a mm. quick kind of bullet, literally bullet point, like this is who this character is for you to jump back in. Um, and I agree that this should absolutely be changeable. Everybody, like in real life, your flaws, your even your ideals, your personality can change. Like it's not fixed. Like it can be altered by things that you experience in the world. So why would your character in D D not change. Like it'd be yeah. weird for them to stay exactly the same. You know, if Gideon had been how you originally planned her, it would be a bit strange for like her being with Endo and Tide and like everybody else and it not affect her at all. <laughs> like yeah. she's like, no, I stay in this way. I am this emo chick. <laughs> um it it would be a little bit weird, I think. Um yeah, definitely. I think with like something I think about a lot with Gideon is that like, because um, like her backstory is that there was this like traumatic thing that happened to her, um, and originally I was like, oh yeah, she'll just be like kind of standoffish and like broody and and that kind of thing. But I think actually what's ended up happening is that like it's more like she uses like humor and some of the pranks that she plays on people to like not get too close to them to like almost as a defense mechanism and to kind of keep that distance there because she doesn't really want to get close to people but not in a like i'm just going to stand in a corner brooding and not talking to anybody way mm -hmm. so it's kind of ended up like it is still related to the backstory that i wrote but it's a bit more interesting i think maybe than what the idea that i'd originally had so um yeah the kind of hijinks of nameless uh <laughs> worked out i guess um, yeah, I have also just fully gone on to D&D Beyond and like picked two characters to look at their personality traits and ideals and bonds and flaws and stuff, and I need to update mine as well. Homework for us all. <laughs> yeah, I think as well, plus if like, so like I was just thinking then about like Clack or whatever, obviously she's been through this whole campaign now, so that would potentially have changed mm. a lot of those things because, you know, she might yeah. come out of it. And if if she hadn't come out of it different, then that'd be a little bit disappointing, I think. <laughs> you know, if you've gone yeah. in and you've gone through this whole trauma and then you've come out exactly the same as you were before, it's like, okay, did it really mean anything then? Was it meaningful what your character went through? Um, so, yeah, I think this should always be updated. Need to do that. Mm. Add that to my to-do list. <laughs> I'm having a thought, and I don't know how this would work in a session or in a game or something, but... Wouldn't it be great to have like the other PCs around your table tell you what your personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws were just based on how you've been playing a character for the last however many months and be like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that's how my character, because so, yeah. all of us, love it. I think we think we know what our personality traits are. And I, I think a lot of the time people around us probably think they're a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be kind of interesting to run, like not as a full session, but maybe just to like, like not as an actual gameplay session, if that makes sense, but as like just a get together to be like, right, tell me what you think about Endo. Like, that'd be kind of cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I think we should do it. 
Like, what do you think Endo's personality traits are? And then everybody can kind of say, obviously, nicely. Nice, nice things, yeah, 100%. Otherwise, I'll just, like, mute them in the Discord. Like, oh, they, they couldn't say anything. Browser's <laughs> <laughs> computer broke again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They've been disconnected. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was kind of cool. Because, like, I've done it before where I've had, like, refresher sessions partway through a campaign. I think we did it in Strad where we had, like, a mini yeah. session zero. Yeah. Um, where everybody kind of went through their character again and and what their motivations were, I guess, um, and why they were doing things a certain way. But I think it would be kind of cool, actually, to do it the other way. <laughs> yeah, and have the players be like, oh, what do you think Rain's flaws are? <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know, just a thought. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think we should. Yeah, maybe we should do it when we all get together in March. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could. Yes. That's what we can do in the days, <laughs> during the day when we're not playing D&D. We'll talk about D&D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I like it. We'll feed back to the pod. Yes. That was cool. more grand when I said it. <laughs> I'll put like a little, little sound effect, like <laughs> flourish sound effect. <laughs> yeah so i we talked a lot about like um personalities and stuff um and i think i've outed myself as a, a person who maybe spends more time thinking about the mechanics of a character than the personality of a character but what are your thoughts on are you people who optimize character builds do you not care really it's more about like building a character that feels right for the rp um that kind of thing like where do you where do you sit on that scale and also i guess because we technically should be talking about dming which do you uh prefer in your games or do you like when people do with characters i mean i could i could start just so we don't yeah, have the yeah, pause you, yeah you, you start yeah i'm 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 guilty not in a like obnoxious min max away i don't think but i am definitely a person who would rather die than take a feat at level four like i'm always gonna put my main stat up to 18 at level four but then beyond that i'll play around a bit more but um yeah i just like being good at doing the things my character is supposed to be good at so i tend to do that and i i get the sense that i also possibly enjoy combat more than or like think about combat quite a lot more possibly than everybody else in our group which is fine like you know it's just something that I like in the game. So um, I like knowing that I've, yeah, my spell save is going to be decent if I'm a caster or whatever. I'm going to have more chance of hitting something. So I, I do tinker around to try and get a fairly decent build, but um, not in a, like, I don't know, maybe I sound defensive, but not in a way that <laughs> it's, like, um, like really, like, min-maxing. Um, I just like to have a mechanically well-made character because that's fun for me. It's not fun for everybody, but it's fun for me. Um, and it doesn't, I don't really have an opinion on how people should play their characters in my games or how they should build them in my games. I just like seeing what characters you've built and how they like mm. work in the environment that I present to you. So yeah, the only thing that I would look at is if like, if, I don't know, we got to whatever level and people haven't, like kept increasing their main stat or hadn't kept doing it i would just make sure that like combat and stuff was balanced when we got there for like any big encounters or stuff or what have you that is literally the only reason why i would look at like how you have built your character really but yeah what about what about you lynn i think i lean more into the rp aspect of it i don't think i like i obviously i want my character to be like relatively good at what they're doing like because otherwise mm it's a detriment to the team right if you if you mm. build a cleric and they're absolutely shockingly bad dumped wisdom yeah then <laughs> that's not going to be fun for the other players because they're going to be relying on you and you're going oh well i'm not going to be able to help you um <laughs> but i think i don't i will always go for the option that feels right for the character personality rather mm. than kind of going right well she'll you know like rain's going to be the best cleric in the entire land like i wouldn't i don't think that way i kind of um i always just think well what would rain do like what would get mm -hmm. on a bracelet or something um but 
yeah, so I always kind of go more towards the, the RPs. Like, Row was a good example of that in that originally I was like, oh, I'm just going to do literally 1 to 20. She's going to be all barbarian, like, completely. Like, and as I was playing her, I realized that as her personality, she became quite protective of the people that she was with to the point where it made sense for her to take a level in fighter to be able to get a certain reaction to defend, like, to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. block attacks. Um, which obviously meant she was never going to be a level 20 barbarian then because I obviously have multi-class, but it made absolute perfect sense for Ro to do that. Like, so I kind of didn't worry about the fact that she wasn't going to be like the ultra mm. level 20 barbarian. You know, I kind of just went, well, no, it makes perfect sense for her personality that she's learned to care about these people and would put her way, herself in the way of danger for them. Like, so I think I always lean more towards that. But having said that, if I had a player that was, even if they were min-maxing or whatever, it's whatever, if if you enjoy doing that and that's that's how you build a character and that's how you enjoy to play, then great, <laughs> like mm. enjoy it. Like I'm cool. I don't I don't mind. Like as long like as long as you're not pressuring other people to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that if you want to build your character that way and be the absolute best at whatever absolute best rogue absolute best ranger whatever that's absolutely fine but not everybody else plays that way and you have to kind of be respectful of that mm. i will say as much as i've just said that i am a person who likes to optimize character builds i 100 percent agree with you and would only ever take options that made sense for that character like i wouldn't build something mechanically that there wasn't a story reason why yeah my character was that way like i've like I do feel very strongly about that, like multi-classing or like even taking particular feats. Like if you're playing, I don't, don't know. Um, so I guess in Lost Minds, Hugh, who is playing a rogue assassin, has just taken the alert feat, which is obviously very good for that character build. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is like, that also makes sense for the personality and who the character yeah. is. It's not just because he's trying to, like really optimize the build or whatever and like i would yeah i would always be the same way and try and have a story reason for picking the things that i picked um because i think you want your characters to have like internal consistency don't you with who they like how their abilities work but also who they are like you don't want them to just those two things to be really disjointed yeah absolutely um i think it's important because otherwise you've just got a character that has a bunch of things that don't make sense Um, yeah and then you're kind of like, who am I? What am I doing? Um, like Pebble, when when Pebble leveled up, I took a feat that lowered their AC by one, knowing that that is a terrible, terrible combat decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just it just if it makes sense, it it makes sense. Um, I, I I think I don't think I'm anti um, min maxing. I know that I I often choose things that aren't going to benefit my like main ability score or whatever um not purposefully but just i just get distracted with things that i think i think my character would would do um but i'm also mindful that oc i do like a bit of crunch is the wrong word but i like i think when i'm playing dnd i like characters that can do a lot of things and have like Mm. like breadth to them so i like the idea of having you know like tides straight because They've got all these spells and they've got Bardic Inspiration and they can do a weird thing with their tarot cards with Bardic Inspiration. And it just feels like I've always, I feel like I can do a lot of things and that appeals to me, I think, in D&D. So I think that's that's the only time I like mechanically, I guess, optimize my characters, but not really with in terms of power scaling or skill scaling. I think it's more in terms of like, yeah, I want to have expertise in performance because I want to, swindle people by pretending to read their fortunes and that's fun to me (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you can just say that like it's a normal sentence but it kind of is in this context we all know exactly what you mean yeah it's normal i don't know what you're talking about this is this is completely rational thinking right (laughs) yeah 100 percent. i know we've all kind of said we don't really care how people build their characters necessarily in our Mm. games but how do you, that kind of, 
but we have also just said that we are people who likes to pick things based on the story and who our characters are. So mm-hmm. how do you, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how do you feel when players maybe don't do that? Like if somebody just like randomly mm. multi-classes in a way that doesn't really make story <sighs> sense just because it'd be cool. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's an awkward one. Yeah. I think, um, If I felt that a player had kind of done something that was a bit bizarre, <laughs> you know, in terms of it's not consistent with what their character is, I probably, and I have in the past, kind of just brought it up, like generally questioning, you know, like not, mm. not like you can't, I would never say to somebody, you cannot do that with your character mm, or yeah. like, because it's not my character at the end of the day, like, but I think I have in the past questioned and just been like, oh, what made you take a level yeah. in whatever? Or why did you decide to multi-class? Not to like shame them or anything like that, but just make them maybe question and go, oh, actually, does that make sense for my character? And mm. is that... And if they can come back... And they, like sometimes they've come back and gone, oh, well, I've done it because this is how I want to develop them and they're going to end up being this... Way and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense then. Like, cool. Um, but I try, like, it, it is hard for me, and sometimes I do have to kind of pull back a little bit and go, okay, it's not my character. It's not my mm-hmm. ca- like, I'm just the like sand pit that these characters are playing in, kind of thing. Like, I don't get to say what they do with their characters, but it is a difficulty sometimes. <laughs> um, where I've seen people do random things and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get where that's come from. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just try and nicely mention it. And if there's a drawback that I can see, so like if a, a spellcaster took barbarian, you know, I'd be like, yeah. do you realize yeah. you're not going to be able to cast? Like, you know, <laughs> I would, I would kind of just highlight the drawback that I can see, but if they still want to go with it, then okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's their kind of their character, their story arc for that character, I guess. Um but yeah, it just make me squirm a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I would I think I would probably do the same way. And I think ultimately if if a character if a person has really got their heart set on a character multiclassing in a particular way or I don't know, I always think like the other Another example to me is like if you are playing, if you are playing a class that has not got access to spellcasting, and then you took like a feat or something that gives you like spells, like how did that come about? Like mm. have you <laughs> like like they they yeah they things like that? I would kind of maybe just be like. Oh, okay. Well, well, why have you done that? And if they really, really want to, I guess I would then try and like work that into the story, into the story, some way in a way that would make sense. If they were like, "No, I need to take this. I want to," you know, kind of thing. But um, yeah, it is a bit awkward sometimes because you don't want to tell people that they can't do things because you want everyone to play the game in a way that is fun for them. It's difficult, like especially as a DM, because you've kind of got. You're, you've got your hands on the reins, right? You're trying to like lead the story. So I think if they kind of do something that's completely bizarre, mm-hmm. um, it can be difficult. But I ha- I do try and just step back a little bit now and go, oh, well, let's see what happens. Mm. And live for the chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just, I'm just imagining worlds in which this isn't this isn't like in a game that I've DM'd or anything, but just a world in which somebody imagines. Like, oh, at 12th level, let's just like at level one, when they start, like at 12th level, I'm going to have three levels of every different charisma caster on the board, and I'm going to have three levels of something else, and that's the character that I want at level 12. Like, that doesn't make sense to me mm. that you can at level one decide that that's where you're going to be at at level 12. Mm. If, if you get to level 12 and that's happened through story or through, you know, whatever else has happened, then fine. But I think I think pre-choosing every level of your class at level one 
and there being no wiggle room. If it happens, it happens. But if there's like no wiggle room there, or you're kind of just set on something, I don't know, that also breaks the internal consistency a little bit because it's like, are you willing to be shaped by the sandpit? I love that metaphor. Man. Are you willing to be shaped by like the <laughs> sandpit that you are living in when you are playing this game? Or have you come in with your own perfectly formed bucket? I'm perfectly formed idea of the story. You know, we've had that before. <laughs> because I think actually that was a good example that me and Han had of somebody that had a very set idea of their character, where their character was going to go. Every single level up, they knew exactly what they were going to take and they weren't influenced at all by mm. what was happening mm. in the campaign, by the, the other players in that campaign at all. And I know that that, or for me personally, mm. that negatively impacted my enjoyment of that game. Um because it it seemed it was like it it was like pulling you out of your immersion or whatever every time because I'm like why are they doing that that makes no sense with the story that we've been telling you know like mm. um so I think I don't it is a difficult one because it's like you want players to be able to play the character they want to play and not be like micromanaging them mm. but then like you say if they're doing something that is that makes no sense at all. Yeah. It's 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 a difficult one, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think that I think that point about um like going in at level one with an idea of exactly what you're gonna take every time you get the option and how you're gonna build that. Like you might have you might have an idea in your head, but if you don't allow yourself to be shaped by the game at all. It's like, well, are you really part of this world? Are you really part of this story? Are you really, like, is your character developing at all? Mm. Um, like, Clack, with Clack, I, I can remember when we got to level eight, I, there were, like, three or four feats that kind of as we were getting close to leveling up, I was like, oh, I think I'm probably going to take, possibly going to take one of these. Um, but I was kind of, I hadn't really made my mind up. And then... By the time we got there, we'd kind of, Clack had really taken on this kind of like, this role of looking after the rest of the party, being like very she was tough. Minder. Yeah, being, <laughs> like kind of like, always needs to be the last one standing, keeping everyone alive, really tough um, kind of thing. And it just, I ended up taking um, uh, Resilient for Constitution, um, which gives you. Uh, proficiency and con saves and gives you a plus one to your stat um and it was not it was like really not something that i'd ever looked at it was like as we leveled up it was almost an impulse decision because it just made sense that she should become this person who needed to be the last one standing so she needs to get tougher and that is and she'd kind of like been getting stronger and stronger throughout the campaign and that kind of made sense to take that as a feat so but i'd never thought i'd that's not who, what I thought she would do. It, I'm mm. not sure it was the best like choice at that level, but it was a choice that made sense for the story. Um, and like Gideon, I was never didn't ever really intend to multi-class into warlock, warlock, but then we found Oink Fat, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like Ro, isn't it? You know, you've been losing out on that wonderful level twenty barbarian feat, but that's what if that's what Ro would do, and she wants to protect her friends, then yeah. And yeah. it's fine to have an idea of where your character's going, like because you do. To get invested in a character, you mm. kind of have to, don't you? Imagine where it's going. But yeah, the world will should the world should be able to shape, you know, what you think about your character and where it's going to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, all that said, how do you kind of like how do you handle character development in in your games? Like, do you give players opportunity to? like have those moments that make sense for them to try and like not help them develop. That's the wrong kind of phrase, but give them the opportunity to develop in ways in, you know, that they might want to do, or do you like, do you give every player kind of moments to shine, try and like give them the spotlight a bit um, so that they've got, I guess they've got more opportunity to be shaped by the sandbox mm. then. Um, I like to think I do. <laughs> Um, this is where you can correct me and be like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I like to think that I give everybody kind of a fair chance on the mic, so to speak. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, and some, I think, I think in Strad, I managed it quite well. Yeah. Um, in kind of making 
linked to like what was actually happening so that it was natural that you know Clack had her moment when she saw Joanna or, you mm-hmm. know, like things like that. Um, or Farkas with Esmeralda and like these kind of moments kind of felt natural to happen. I think Nameless can be a little bit more tricky because it's such an ensemble of people <laughs> and like such big characters mm-hmm. that it can be hard sometimes for like one to shine above the others because they're all so utterly bizarre <laughs> um but i hope i manage it okay i hope that people do feel that they get moments to shine i'm kind mm. of at the minute i'm kind of like i don't feel like blaze has had much moment mm. to shine um but that's because that's a new character i think yeah he's, he's struggling um not struggle as in is struggling to get a moment to shine i mean that's my fault not his um i think there just hasn't really been the opportunity but prior to that i hope everybody feels like they have had sorry go on no i was just gonna say yeah i i I definitely feel like everybody else has had their moment at various points over the session and i think you're really good about um like in a natural way asking people who've been quiet for a while what their character is doing Mm. um so like i know in the last nameless session um when we were traveling initially, like Gideon was, I, I just felt that she was basically sulking and not really doing much. <laughs> um, but I hadn't, I, like, I hadn't said anything for a while, and I can remember you, you asking me, Lynn, what Gideon was doing, and like I think you're really good at that to make sure that everybody can like be brought back in if they have been quiet for a while. Yeah, I, th- I think that is something that just kind of comes with time, really, and it is something that always kind of is on my mind especially if like the party splits or anything like that mm-hmm. i try and like hop back and forth rather than go mm-hmm. right let's do all of your thing like mm-hmm. i kind of like try and find a bit of a natural place to pause what that person over there is doing to just jump over and see what tides you know what are they doing over there with the yeah <laughs> tarot reading <laughs> whatever's going on um because i think i've I think I've been in situations and I think um, so have you, Han, uh, <laughs> where it's been, you've been kind of just sat there for half an hour, 45 minutes, mm. not doing anything, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be quite like, I think you, not intentionally, but I think you can drift, your like engagement in the game can drift a little bit if you're not engaged in yeah. the game. Um, so it is something I do try and kind of, bear in mind um but i think certainly in your game as well han i've never like i think you do that as well i think you're very good at kind of giving equal time to everybody oh thank you yeah i would agree i would agree um i guess i'm just thinking as well like like tide being cursed has been a thing that has consumed so much of my like icy thoughts for so long like <laughs> just having like a mini objective that was mine and that was really really annoying <laughs> um and that was always like i was always in character thinking about it watching what i was saying watching what i was doing trying to work out how to manage this it was also really like it was really rewarding like when when it was hopefully lifted lynn maybe mm. um, <laughs> like that was a delight and is the first half of my revenge plan and just knowing that i have that <laughs> is like it's just very engaging um so yeah it's definitely given me i mean you know i've not had much opportunity to to dmr game yet um but yeah just thinking about how that kind of just little mini bits that different people can have that is just theirs i think is is also a really nice touch and gets people yeah keeps people hooked in, in the game and, and gives people their own bit of screen time as well. Um, yeah. Even you and the barkeep hand was, um, you know, that was a <laughs> delightful. Oh, God, yeah. This is like, I'm, I'm going for my vengeance now with this, <laughs> this oh, racist barkeep. <laughs> totally forgotten about that, you know. <laughs> but I kind of like, like, I try and think of it a little bit like, like Skyrim or whatever, I try and think of like side quests. Yeah. Like, yeah. like giving individual characters, or even like a couple of characters if they're working together or whatever, mm. 
give them kind of their own little side quest that they can be getting on with, either long term or short term. You know, I think it just mm-hmm. draws people in a little bit. Or even relationships can work with relationships. Like Esmeralda was a really good example of that in Strad. Yeah. Um, like giving Farkas that kind of bond there that Clack maybe wanted but didn't get. <laughs> Well, as, as I've said before on this podcast, I think that was me, not Clark. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I've totally forgotten. I've just thought about Esmeralda, so I've lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> Still impacting Han, and we finished that game like a month ago. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I was going uh, to mention... Um, Hugh's so Hugh's character in Lost Minds keeps um, running off to investigate slash steal things, um, which is becoming his little thing on the side that he does, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see if what he stole in the last session is going to have some consequences. Oh, the stress, <laughs> oh I'm so stressed. We're all like, no, 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 no. He's like, yep, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> I the worst thing about it not not the worst thing that's the wrong phrase but the the funniest thing about it to me is that every time he does it I forget that he is he he is a character who has done that on multiple occasions now and he always does it in places where I've I have to make shit up on the spur of the moment in terms of <laughs> what he is like <laughs> what, he, what he is seeing or what he is doing or where he is going so when um when he managed to unlock that chest which he only beat the D- the dc for that lock by like one um because i thought oh he won't open this so that'll be all right but then he did and then i was like well i'm just going to put something in it that might activate his conscience so he doesn't actually <laughs> steal it yeah. <laughs> like something that looks like a wedding ring yeah wrong um, person yeah wrong person there yeah yeah um <clears throat> but yeah like that's fine <laughs> <laughs> But I do feel like I do feel like that is going to be that is that is going to be Pip's kind of like point of character development through the campaign to see if he reigns in or doesn't his uh, thieving instincts possibly. But I guess we'll see see where it goes. Incredible. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you both feel that um, you're not sitting there for a long time, not doing anything when things like that happen. Because we've had quite a few times in Lost Minds where. We're always splitting up. Yeah, you're always you splitting up. Yeah. <laughs> the party always splits up in Lost Minds. There will be like, a death. <laughs> we're like, At some oh, point. we're going this way. Oh, I'm going this way. Goodbye then. We're going to a wall. Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, I think as well, is it like, and the way that I kind of know that you're really good at it is that I've, I've got a good grasp on all of the characters and what they're like and their personalities and things like that. And I think that proves that you give equal mm. moments, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not going, oh, what is Pebble's motivation? What is going on with it? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I've got a good grasp on all of the characters there and they all feel like fleshed out proper characters. Whereas I feel like if you hadn't had, if a player hadn't been given the time to kind of shine, mm. then I wouldn't have that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you guys all, built great characters for Lost Minds as well that just somehow work together as a yeah, party I don't know really how. well. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Every session I'm like, this is going to be the one where it all falls apart. Yeah. But so far, so good. <laughs> Let's hope our luck lasts. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I, as predicted, I think we've uh, we've gone a little bit over time yeah with it was expected i think with this one yeah i i agree um yeah. but yeah i think we will we'll wrap it up there but thank you to everybody who is listening to this um you can also find us playing D online on youtube and lynn can tell you where that is yep that's at crits and chaos D on youtube enjoy <laughs> so professional just you. <laughs> so professional um yeah, but hopefully do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully do. Yeah, please, please don't try. leave nasty comments or anything because that will make me cry. I'm sure people wouldn't. People 
our people who listen to this podcast wouldn't do that. Definitely not. Yeah, if they've made it to episode six, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the only thing left to do is to say goodbye. So um, I'm going to do it again. I can't. Am I going to do it again? <laughs> we'll see. It's it's goodbye from me. Yeah, it- goodbye from Han. <laughs> goodbye from Roz. And goodbye from Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.